Welcome to the B&E Podcast with Brandon Colby-Cook and Evan Schulte. Exploring the creative process and finding the balance between artistry and industry. Entirely uncut and unscripted. All right, everybody. Are you ready? I'm ready. I'm ready. So we're going to do a topical podcast today, Evan. As is the tradition. It is a Wednesday. And on Wednesdays, we do topics. On Sundays, we freestyle. Yeah, we do whatever the shit we want to do. <laughs> today, today we do a topic. Um, and our topic today, Evan. Brandon. Our topic today. Is everybody on the edge of their seat? Is, are you still listening? Are you still here? <laughs> it's like, we know we read the title, you idiot. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you read the title, <laughs> now we don't need to tell you what it is, do we? <laughs> uh, so what is the title, Brandon? <laughs> well, it's letting go of the past so you can create in the present, Evan. Yes. Yeah, that's what it is. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, we actually funny enough, have something from the past to bring into this conversation. We do. We do. See, <laughs> this is how it works. I, you, you're now right. you've got me on the edge of my seat. Cause Good. I'm like, I don't, I don't know what you're talking about exactly. So yeah, well it's uh, right to the right of you there. It's your beer. It's a, uh, it's a redo. We've had this one before, Oh, but it is a beer that is one of our top favorite beers of all time. And you're going to sip it. Mm-hmm. And you're going to tell us if you can guess. Mm. Before you do, fun little fact about this beer. It just won gold in British Columbia for the best ale of BC. It also won silver for, I, I think it's the North America. It's one of the biggest um, craft beer award things for the best I'm not going to tell you which type. Well, it's definitely some sort of like a, like a, like a wit beer mm-hmm. for sure. Belgian. Beer, a Belgian white ale of some kind or a, a triple. This is the triple. Yeah. This is the Belgian triple yeah, that's from right. 33 acres. That's right. Oh my God. Yeah. yeah like, wow. <laughs> <laughs> Like, cause I'm drinking, I'm like, this is so good. It's been such a long time since I've had the triple. I know, right? Well, it all, and, oh yeah. my God, it's so good. It's every bit as good as I remember it being. <laughs> so I'm like, wow, this is real tasty. What is this? And like, it's so smooth. Like I forgot, like I knew it was a smooth beer, but I forgot how smooth it is. Yeah. Well, it's just been cleaning up, winning all these awards. And, uh, you know, it actually, um, we hadn't had it in a while. That's why I went with it. But ultimately but, um, I was actually heading around to go to some other crap breweries and they were closed, but 33 yeah. acres, they're they, open from like 11 o'clock in the morning or something yeah, like that. I think they might even be open earlier. Yeah. So Cause they do breakfast and they stuff. do breakfast. Yeah. yeah. And so they're always the accountable one <laughs> <laughs> when you need, when you need a beer for a podcast, you know, 33 acres has got your back. And anyway, I was like, yeah, you know, we haven't done this in a long time and we always talk about how great it is. And this deserved a redo in my opinion. So, um, you know, I went there, I got this and, uh, you know, we'll enjoy, we'll enjoy this tasty beverage. Of course. And now that I know what it is, I'll, I'll, I, 
I'll make sure that I'm I go easy on it because I know it's <laughs> like it's like full on eight something percent, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. He was like, "You guys enjoy that one." <laughs> <laughs> we will. Um, so uh, yeah, we don't just talk about beer on this podcast, um, but we do a beer on every podcast, and that is a part of how this goes. Uh, a couple guys talking about our artistic careers and how to keep integrity and authenticity in art, and also manage a successful career both commercially and internally as a person yeah. as you move forward. Navigating the challenges yeah. that uh, that go along with it personally and, and, yeah, and in the career career side of things. Yeah, so if you're a first-time listener, we, we let you know. Um, and today, talking about the past, um, we want to we wanna kind of confront this issue because, you know, as artists, you know, as everybody has a past that they come from, there's a story that's built on your past and there's an identity that's manufactured about who you think you are from your past, which um, doesn't actually give you that much freedom in your present if you're too bound to it Mm -hmm. and separating who you think you are from what you can be can be a challenging process as we both know. Yeah. 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 And uh, a very relevant sort of topic. I mean, I'll, I'll, I won't speak for you, but for myself, like, absolutely. I've been, uh, I've been working through, through some stuff as of recent and it's, uh, has a lot to do with the past and, and to, to an extent, the future as, as well, you know, um, learning a lot of lessons around that because, um, you know, when, for me at least like this, like when you get really, um, lost in, in stuff about your past, um, or consumed about stuff from your future, uh, it, it can really just destroy your motivation. It can really like take you into some dark places and, and just like make you want to do absolutely nothing at all. Mm -hmm. Um, so I'm, I'm really glad we're having this conversation because I've been learning a lot from it, um, from like my experience of, of, of it all. And, um, yeah. Yeah. Let's, well, let's get into it. And you know, there's uh, I mean, I'm sure there's uh, a lot that we won't be able to entirely cover about this area, but let's go into it as far as it goes with artists and, um, you know, and just, uh, I think, uh, in the sense of freedom, you know, um, I, I do think that who we identify ourselves as and who we label ourselves as is uh, a, a greatly limiting, um, a limiting thing we do. For example, if you call yourself an actor, you've just limited yourself. Now hear me out actors. (laughs) (laughs) You've limited yourself because you are not an actor. You are a person who enjoys acting. You are a person who likes to act. You're a person who acts sometimes. Yeah. (laughs) You also do other things as well, but to call ourselves an actor is limiting because if you're going to call yourself an actor, you might as well call yourself everything that you are because you're not just that one thing. Mm -hmm. And so you think about this, right? It's not just how we identify ourselves, but it's how we identify ourselves to other people. If I say to someone else, I go, you know, I'm Brandon, I'm an actor. Now they've just put me in the box of what an actor is as far as they see an actor being in their mind. Right. And now I'm limited to that frame. And so the past is a series of frames that we basically used and we label who we are. And now we live them out and we live within these boxes of what we think we are. And so I think a lot of this talk, what I'd like to do is kind of obliterate those frames, you know, um, 
take it a step back. So instead of like us seeing ourselves as like actor, we see ourselves as someone who acts. And the reason why this is important is because let's take it around something. It's like, if you make a mistake, you say, or you made mistakes in your life, you go, I'm clumsy. Well, clumsy is now a label in a box in which you exist. You could say, I'm a person who has been clumsy, but you are not clumsy. That actually the whole idea of labeling ourselves is actually totally inaccurate. It's, um, it's a very limited way to look at our humanity, a very limited way to look at ourselves. And it's devastating to us as, as artists. So that's something I want to try to break down in this talk. Okay. Yeah. All right. That's an interesting angle on it. Cool. I like it. Yeah. I thought so too. (laughs) Pat on my own back. (laughs) I'm going to have some beer. (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, and for me, it's, um, a lot of the, like what I would like to get into. So we'll, we'll start with one obviously, and we'll, and we'll see what we get to. But for me, it's like when we're, um, you know, as, as, as artists not getting, getting stuck in our, our past in terms of most often we get caught up in looking at our, our past failures or what we perceive as being failures and places where we've fallen short or haven't been good enough. Um, this is something that, that I kind of want to like, you know, get into as far as looking at, at our past and, and letting go of some of those things so that we can, we can be, more free. And I think that we'll probably actually end up finding some pretty common threads to what you're talking about and what I'm sort of talking about here as well, because I think that they are linked to each other. I think very closely. Yeah. And there's something actually I I, want to mention as well. And something I'm working on personally more and more in my life is forgiveness, Mm -hmm. not just of others, but of myself, uh, of everything, you know, and forgiveness is so, so important because, you know, you know, before I get on to talking about forgiving others, if you don't forgive yourself for the mistakes you've made, if I don't forgive myself for the mistakes I've made in the past, I'm forever punished for them, you know? And so, you know, forever punishing yourself is no way to have any form of self-love. And without self-love, I just don't think there's any form of freedom. You know, you're, you're always going to be a prisoner to what, what has happened. And, part of forgiving yourself has to do with, Oh, there's my cat. Okay. Hey, Charlie. <laughs> Playing in the blankets. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, so, you know, so anyway, um, you, you know, if you don't forgive other people, you are not really going to be able to forgive yourself because the things you hold against other people are the very things you hold against yourself. And that's the hard thing that we don't really see. Mm-hmm. And, and a lot of people get confused. They think, well, I'll forgive them when they apologize or I'll forgive them when this, well, now you've just given them all your power. Mm-hmm. It's actually forgiveness is not as much for the other person as it is for you. It's actually what frees you. So, you know, uh, this is, I think, um, tailored a lot to this talk for me is like, I've been working a lot on my forgiveness, trying to forgive every single person I ever feel has ever slighted me and trying to take away all my judgments as much as possible that create a negative um, view of someone without empathy, you yeah. know, and the more I, re- I the more I reframe and, and tackle those things, the, the more access I have to really enjoying my life and being able to express what I want to do. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you, with, with that sort of freedom and, and you, you, and that sort of, uh, I don't know, a sense of, of peace and, and joy, you can more, I think easily, 
um, you can more easily express even if you are dealing with things that are in some, some darker territory, um, as opposed to when you're just kind of consumed by all of it. Right. When, when, um, and yeah, and forgiveness is a huge part of it. I mean, especially as artists, like we, we deal in such, um, a vulnerable area as it is, you know, creating is not, uh, is not something that, especially creative fields, like the artistic fields, like it's not something that most people get into. Um, it's a challenging thing to do. It makes a lot of, um, kind of uncomfortable demands on us sometimes. And it's not that artists have different issues as other people do in their lives. Um, but the difference I think comes into, okay, but now we have to create something that is from us and put, put this thing out there for people to see, and it's going to be criticized. And, you know, these things can really weigh down on us. And when you start to look at it, like from, from a certain place for too long, like the, the task is so daunting. The task seems so, f- you know, even terrifying and frightening to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think a huge part in getting past that is, um, ha- has to do with, with our past and, and like what you're saying with, um, with forgiving ourselves, you know, like acknowledging that we are, are human beings, you know, who make mistakes and, you know, are not perfect, but, you know, that by forgiving it, we can, we can become free of our pasts, you know, yeah. because I think that the past brings a lot of <clears throat> feelings with it of, um, of unworthiness about it. Like, you know, we don't, we don't deserve to have good things happen Cause usually if we're looking at uh, on our past, it's, it's usually for the most part, we fill it with a lot of, um, a lot of guilts and regrets and, you know, things that we'd wish we'd done differently, you know, and, and we just look at our failures. Right. And that does absolutely nothing to us to help us in the present moment. And it's only in the present moment that we are free to create. Yeah. Well, and also, I mean, if just take it further, if we're looking at our failures in the past, if we're not using them to learn from them and be better, um, they're not really serving us. Mm -hmm. I mean, if we're using them to somehow hold ourselves down and suppress ourselves, it's not useful. Um, you know, it's interesting. Um, and there is a line between, between learning from it and, you know, suppressing ourselves from it because yeah. Yeah. Like, cause to me, that's, that's the only thing that the past is good for. It's like, look at it, learn, learn the lesson and let it go. Yeah. You've got to release it. Like you, after you've, you've learned the things like you've got to let it go. Like, because otherwise the only thing that you, you're not really getting much by continuing to come back to it. Right. Right. You've got to learn your lessons from it and move on. Yeah. It's, it's a, the past is a place to visit, not a place to reside. Yeah. You know, it's uh you know, you visit it, you know, you take some notes and then you leave. Yeah. You know? And that's, and that's it. And the notes are supposed to help you, you know, it's a, it, you know, it's kind of like it's memories are a really interesting thing. It's kind of like we're time travelers and we can kind of time travel back in time and we can see ourselves back then. And we can like, and we're trying to tell ourselves like, don't do that. You idiot. Like, mm. don't make that mistake, you know? But the problem is, is that we're invisible and the person who was living that can't see us and they can't hear us. And so 
no matter how we judge them or whatever, nothing will change. That person was that person and they were doing it that way, but we can go back and visit and we can watch them as like an audience member, almost like we're watching a movie, but we don't get to participate in the movie. But I think sometimes, and I know I do this, sometimes I participate in my memories as though I should have done it differently. I should have rewritten that memory. And it's like, no, you, you just get to go back and watch the movie and then you get to take notes from the movie and and you come back in in life now and you get to like apply that. But beating yourself up because the movie played out the way it played out is, is, you know, useless. Yeah. And I think that you, you need to have a certain, like when, I think when you're visiting anything in your past, um, you, you have to come in with, with compassion and with forgiveness for yourself when you, when you do that, because otherwise you get, you get caught up in it. Like you've got to, you'll, you'll, if you look at it just for, for lessons without that sense of compassion for yourself, then, I mean, the lessons you're going to take from it are probably going to be very dark and cynical ones, Mm -hmm. right? Which aren't going to serve you in any good sort of way. But if you can look at it from a place of saying like, okay, you know, I, yeah, I can see now that, you know, where, where I was mistaken in my thinking, but at the time I was doing the best that I could, Mm -hmm. you know, like I was, I was trying to, I was trying to make the the right call and it just, it didn't work out that way. And I can see that now there's no sense in beating ourselves up for it, which is, I think what the past often brings with it is just like a lot of just beating ourselves up and beating ourselves up and beating ourselves up. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, so, you know, there's an interesting way in which we perceive, like we perceive, um, the past and we perceive just the world. We have actually kind of a, in just my opinion, we have a a kind of a screwed up way in which we interpret it. So I use the example and we can do this with anything. We can use the example and analogy. I love analogies as you know, I love them. Um, (laughs) (laughs) so like, you know, you take yourself today as you remember something and you're the time traveler going back into the past, watching a movie of yourself, live out an event that you liked or didn't like or whatever. Well, what if you reframe the whole concept of it and you see yourself as that person in the past in a memory is them taking a trip into the future, into your life right now and saying, Hey, do you remember this? This is what we learned, you know, apply this, this now, because this is what we learned back then. So by the way, you know, just remember, I'm just here to visit you and say like, Hey, like this is think about this, right? Not to like a time travel that's coming and go like, Hey, like, you know, you screwed up in the past, by the way, I'm just here to remind you, like we can see it however we yeah. want to see it. And, and so I'll give you like an example of, of how this works. So like, and, and I know not everybody's going to agree with me. Um, but we don't take the world in as much as we project the world out. Mm-hmm. And that's a hard concept. I remember when people told me that when I was younger, like, and I was like, yeah, yeah, I kind of get that. But I was like, yeah, but not really. But we really do. We project the world out. We are, are, our eyes project out our feelings, our memories, our thoughts, our ideas. And we all see the same things, but we project onto all these things, the meanings and the understandings and, and our relationship to them. Um, we don't actually take in meaning. We don't take in that we're putting that out there and then we're responding to what we put out. So like a lot of helping our present is about reframing our projections 
it's not so much about trying to make the world change so we can take it in differently. It's about us changing so that we can project a world that is, is better for us to walk into. Mm -hmm. Now I'll give you an example how this actually works because this one really hit home with me. When you talk about gravity, for example, most people believe that gravity sucks you down. They think it pulls you, but it actually doesn't work that way. So gravity is actually space pushing you down. It's actually, you're being pushed from above. It's because the way gravity works is it's, it's, um, it, it's not like you're being sucked from the middle. It's not like you're being pulled. You're actually being pushed. Right. So the th- just because most of us don't understand gravity and we've been walking around as though gravity sucks us to the ground. We experience the world as though, Oh, gravity's pulling me to the ground. We don't realize that actually the way it actually works is gravity's pushing you to the ground. Mm. So projection is the same way. What you're realizing now is that you're pushing the world out. The world isn't pulling you, right? right? So now you realize, Oh, I'm the one in power. I'm the one who actually like, like you thought the world was the gravity pushing you. You're the gravity. Yeah. You're the gravity pushing the world. And so we don't see ourselves as these energy forces that way, because like, we don't even understand basic physics about how the world works because yeah. we have this perception. Like, I mean, it makes real, it makes sense. We're on a big giant rock in space. And so we're stuck on it and we can't float around. So we assume that, that this rock must be pushing us and pulling us to it. We believe that it's the rock, but it isn't the rock. It's the space. It's the energy all around the rock. That's actually pushing us in, mm-hmm. which is a fascinating idea. So once you shift your perspective about the physics of how things work, you start to see that you as a very human being have been looking at your physics of how you work incorrectly. It's cool though, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So projection. So we project the world out. We don't, we don't take the world in, not, not the way we think we do. Yeah. And I, I, what you're saying reminds me of a quote that I think I'll get this one accurate this time. (laughs) (laughs) But it was, uh, it's two prisoners look out a cell window. One sees stars, the other sees mud. Hmm. And it's just exactly that, that type of projection that we're talking about. You know, they're both looking out at the same thing, right? But it is what we're choosing to see. Mm -hmm. And our, we can allow our past to shape how we're going to perceive the world. And we can use that to make us cynical or or to make us defeated to, you know, choose to see the lesser of things, or we can choose to see the better things. And and the thing is, is that neither one of them is necessarily wrong, Mm -hmm. right? Neither of them is necessarily wrong but it's ultimately, it comes down to, well, what, what are you gaining from it? Mm-hmm. Right? Like if, when we're projecting, um, you know, our, our failures and our mistakes out onto the world that we're holding against ourselves, I mean, we begin to see it everywhere. Mm-hmm. We see how we failed everywhere. We see how others are failing everywhere. We see like, that's, we, that's all we see. Mm-hmm. But if we, if we look upon, if we're able to use our past as a, as a way of, of releasing it and letting it go, then we begin to see the world as a bit more free, Mm -hmm. that there are more options 
available to us, you know, like there's less restrictions, um, in the present moment. Yeah. You know, there's, um, there's a, uh, talk right now. We should, we'll share it on this podcast on the website, um, under valuable links, but, um, it's, uh, by, I think it's Khan Academy. I don't remember the guy who runs it. I don't remember his name off the top of my head, but he does a Ted talk and I think it's Khan Academy. Pretty sure it is. Anyway, it's an education system online. Um, and, uh, they talk about, he talks about how we should be learning mastery, not like, you know, not like grading system, not marks and whatnot. And his whole point is that, um, you know, and and I harp on the education system all the time. So I love stuff like this. So here we go. (laughs) Why why stop now? I'm going to be gentle. (laughs) Well, for now, but, um, you know, basically if, if I'm a student and I get 90% on something, right? It's pretty high grade. Everybody's real impressed. Hey, Brandon, you got an A, right? But I got 90%. So I didn't master it. I got 90%. So I was close, but I didn't get it. Yeah. Someone else got 60 or 70%. So technically I'm better because I got it a little more right than they did, than they did, but not as wrong as they did. Right. Yeah. And so what ends up happening is we build, uh, we build our education system on faulty on basically like faults. We, we don't have all the answers. And so their model is if we worked from a place of mastery, once you completely got it 100%, then you would move on to the next lesson. You know, what would happen is we would build a foundation that was actually solid of education and we could learn anything. And he points out the idea that like, you know, people get to a certain point where they start learning calculus and they just like, Oh, well, I just can't learn calculus. I'm not made for calculus. And what happens is that they, because the education system, the way it's set up, it's not set up for mastery. It's set up for, you know, basically just this grading system. Some students will do better. Some won't initially. And so the system is designed to help the kids who do better, but not necessarily the ones who don't do well, Mm -hmm. but yet the, the ones who don't do well still pass through. So they actually found that if you work on mastery, some students might actually not get out of the gate as quickly. They might not master something as quickly, but given a little bit more time, they will master it. And then they actually are sometimes succeeding beyond the students who initially were faster because, you know, basically what ends up happening is we, we have these gaps in our education and this, you know, this comes a lot to do with our understanding of the world. We have these gaps, right? And now we're trying to build a more complex life. We're trying to build our dreams on faulty foundations. And it's really, really hard because it's like, and they use this example in the video where he's like, if I was building a house and I was laying the the foundation, the cement, and like half of it was wet, like 40% of it was wet over the side, you know, and we looked at it and go, well, it's a C. Okay. It's good enough. Let's move forward. Like we wouldn't because like half the house would be screwed up because Mm. we're building on a faulty foundation. We wouldn't do that. It would have to be a hundred percent or 99.9%. It just has to be that quality. Right? So when we're, when we're building our dreams, we have to kind of go back to foundations. We have to go back down to these. And I think like a talk like this is a lot to do with men, uh, like mastery of our foundations. Cause if you don't understand projection, if you don't understand that you are the projector of your experience in life, you're always going to, run into problems, you know? And so to get to like really complex things, to start to do really great things, you have to have these basic understandings. Otherwise you're just going to run into trouble. Mm -hmm. And like, that's why you'll have people like, you know, 
um, who will get this ultimate commercial success and totally destroy themselves and become heroin addicts and, you know, kill themselves and do drug overdoses and people who will destroy their marriages, lose their fortunes. And they'll do all this stuff because they're building these quote unquote, great material things, but based on faulty foundations of beliefs and understanding. Right. Mm -hmm. And so like, yeah, I mean, I feel like most of our problems today are based on the fact that we just have gaps we just have these gaps and they need to be closed. And we need to, instead of keep trying to go forward, we need to go backwards a little bit. We need to like, you know, just rebuild a little, you know, and look at, okay, what did I, why did I make this mistake early on? So that now that I work that out, now I can build upon it Yeah. as opposed to going, Oh, I'm just faulty. It's like, no, you're not yeah. faulty. You just, let's just go back to the basics and, and fix it up and you know? rebuild the foundations. Exactly. It's, it's interesting. I am uh, a book I've talked about quite a bit over the last little while is, is, um, care of the soul by Thomas Moore. And he even kind of talks a bit about this, this sort of thing. I mean, he, he talks about this in, in the form of, um, of like actual like depression, but, um, which is what the past can often do, Hmm. um, to us. But, uh, he said that in sort of like ancient times when in terms of how artists and stuff dealt with like that in their work of like art, like, um, of depression. Um, there's lots of paintings and stuff of depression being looked at as, uh, like these workers rebuilding. And sometimes that's what we've kind of got to do in our past is we like, we've got to look at it, let it go and rebuild, mm-hmm. um, to, to become something new. Yeah. Right. To become something that is stronger, to become something that can, um, that can handle more, withstand more to that can do something greater than it, than it once was, but the old one has to be torn down. Right. Um, and I think this is, this can be like a, a hard thing. We like to, we really like to hold on to our past. Like we really love to hold on to it because, um, we see it as what defines us as being who we are you know, it's like without our past, who, who are we? Right. And, but the thing is that like, you know, there's not to say that there, like we said, there's, that there isn't positive things from our past that we can draw from, but sometimes a lot of times it needs to be scrapped because we don't realize that we've built on, on faulty foundation, especially if we find ourselves in a place where we are, uh, blocked. Mm -hmm. We're completely blocked and unable to create. Yeah. Uh, it's a, it's a really great sign that, that you have something to, to be released Mm -hmm. that no longer works for you. Right. Yeah. You know, um, it's a good point. I mean, you know, the thing about, I think going back and rebuilding is that you have, it's, it's a bit of an ego death you know, you have to, you have to kill off the ego because the ego, this false identity of who you think you are is created out of the past. It's created out of the story. It's created out of what you, you manufactured of who you think you are. Now, don't get me wrong. I have an ego just like anybody else. Um, and the ego isn't going to go away. It's not like I'm gonna, you know, one day be like, Oh, you know, I have no, um, well, maybe, maybe, but I, I, I have not perceived, I've never experienced it yet. Maybe some monk could tell me different, you know, but, 
But, um, what happens uh, I'm finding in this experience of, uh, the ego is it's about identifying who I think I am, um, and realizing that I'm not that opening up the possibility that I could be something else. And then from that choosing who I want to be in the moment, but not identifying with that so much as though I say that's me. So like, I know as a super complicated way to say it, but like, for example, I might've said, well, I'm an actor right now at one point in my life, I might've said, well, I'm not a very good actor, which is still a label, right? But that's a label. And so then label and a judgment, a label and a judgment, right? And that's how the ego works. It works on all these labels and judgments, right? And so then I go, okay, well, I know what I'll do. I'll just really work hard at my acting. I'll get a lot better at it. And then I'll be a good actor, right? And then you're a good actor. You'll be like, but I'm not a good enough actor. I got to be a great actor. Okay, well, I'll keep doing it. And then you send this, you spend your life on this mission to identify with what you perceive and project to be a great actor. And ironically, like the, the, you can never really achieve it because it's all based on a judgment. It's all based on some story and some projection that you're making and it's built on faulty foundation. And the, the problem is that is the very idea that there could be a good actor or a great actor. And there you, you are even an actor. It's like, like I look at labels as someone who has a very limited understanding of people and, and human that they need a very basic way to understand you. Like you are Canadian or you are, you know, black or you are, you know, whatever. Right. And, and so it's a very, very elementary way of understanding. Labeling is like for children. It's like, so children can understand the world and go, that is chair. That is desk. You know, like it's, it's a label. I need these things so that I can kind of work with them and kind of communicate that. Right. Yeah. But human beings are so much more complex than, you know, we're not just these things. We're, we're just this whole magnitude, constantly changing, evolving, flexible, malleable things. Yeah. And so whenever we try to make ourselves something and try to make it sturdy and stuck, we, we, we limit our freedom. We limit our ability to move. And so it, it's fine when you're, when you're keeping your life extremely small and you're doing a routine every day, you know, you can kind of get away with it. But when you try to have dreams and bigger goals, you start to realize that you have to have flexibility because to go after a goal, you're going to run into an obstacle and some obstacles, you're not going to be able to get over them. You're not going to be able to go around them. You're not going to be able to go through them. They're just going to be walls. They're going to be walls that no one gets through. And you're going to have to think of a new option. You might have to back up and go a new way, but like the, the hard headed labeler, the judger, they're going to try to keep hitting their head against that wall over and over. And they're never going to get through it. And they're going to spend their whole life hitting their head against that wall until one time they either just give up and they walk away and say, you know what? It wasn't me. I wasn't good enough. I couldn't do it. And all they had to do was walk a little to the left or a little to the right or something. And, and they could have done something different and they could have gone a whole different road, but they were so identified with needing to go this one way. Mm -hmm. And so they couldn't get through it. And so I like, I look at like actors, for example, and I know I'm kind of going on a little rant, but actors, and I look at actors and I go, well, auditioning's not working for you. And you've been auditioning for 10, 15, 20 years, and it's not working for you. And you're not getting where you want to go. Maybe you're banging your head against the wall. Maybe this way is not the way for you. Maybe it's worked for other people, but maybe 
at this time and age, at your current social status, at whatever the way the world is working, this isn't your path. Maybe take it back a moment and, and relook at what's another way to go about this. Yeah. But I think a lot of people, they, they do this and they just bang their head against the wall their whole life, or they just give up and walk away. And then they make a story about why that is, which isn't true either. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that makes sense. It kind of went off a bit, but yeah, no, I, that made sense to me, Okay, but well, you know, I if do it made sense to someone. I, <laughs> I do know you pretty well. So <laughs> yeah, but I'm just saying like we get stuck in our labels, we get stuck in our judgments and our stories and our projections, and we don't see that we're the one creating them, you know? And once yeah. you realize that you create them, you can go about things in a different way. Cause going after your goals is about having different options to get the same thing. Yeah. You know, if you only have one option, your chances of success are very limited. Yeah. And it's, and part of it is, is taking some responsibility, right? And that can be a terrifying prospect as well is taking responsibility for, you know, where we are in our lives. You know, that was something that at one point in my life, when, when people said that to me, it was like, I, I, I hated it. (laughs) (laughs) I hated people saying that shit to me. It's like, wait, no, because like, I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. Yeah. Right. And it's like, but nobody's like, I'm just getting fucked. People just keep on fucking me. Right. (laughs) And it's like, well, okay. You know, that's perfectly like there's, you can look out at the world with that attitude and you will find plenty of evidence as to why that is so Mm -hmm. like you will find plenty of evidence as to why that is. So it doesn't change your place. It doesn't change what's going on. It doesn't change how, um, you know, the state that you're in. Mm-hmm. And I think this is the important part of it. It's like, yeah, like that is, you can absolutely look at the world in that way and you can project that out there and whatever, but it's what that does to your state of mind and your ability to create as an artist and just to be a functional human being. Like it's, like you're choosing. I think that's where, where I had a shift in this. It's like, no, but you are choosing to, to live in a disempowered state of mind Mm -hmm. in which you are a victim of everything that's happening. Right. And, and as a result of that, it comes at a cost to your peace of mind and your, your freedom and your, like I said, your ability to create. Whereas just taking some responsibility for it and saying like, okay, you know what? Like I've been doing it this way. Like you're saying like, and I've been banging my head against a wall trying to do it this way. And it hasn't been happening. Maybe this just isn't the way, right? Maybe there is just another way, but I can stop blaming people for, and, and blaming the world for all of this stuff. I can forgive that. I can forgive myself. I can release what hasn't been working in my past. And now I can just be here. Mm-hmm. I can be where I am, which is perfectly fine. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm here, <laughs> you know, I am, you know, like I'm, I'm living my life. I'm not out of the game in any way whatsoever. I just need a new approach that I don't know yet necessarily. Yeah. Right. But only once you've taken some responsibility and, and realize that you, you have been choosing to stay this course, even though it wasn't working. And even though it was causing you a lot of discomfort, you were still choosing to go that way. Right. But you don't have to choose to go that way. Yeah. 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 It's, you know, you're, you know, you're so on it. I mean, I, th- I th- and I think this is a complex 
um, yeah. topic, you know, for people, <laughs> especially if it's the first time you've ever heard these ideas. Um, so, I mean, I think just stay with it, you know, stay with, uh, this episode of the podcast, if this is still kind of confusing and just kind of, you know, work through these ideas because, um, if we see ourselves as, you know, the influencers, we see ourselves as the one who is, um, you know, informing our life and informing, you know, the things around us, we begin to, um, gain a sense of power about it. Right. You know, there was a, a woman told me, she was telling me about a fight she had with her sister and she was like, yeah, my sister threw a mug at my head and it just missed me. And then we got in this big fight and she made her sister out to sound like this real, you know, wench. (laughs) And I was like, interesting. I'm like, so what'd you do to get her to throw a mug at you? (laughs) Yeah. And she was like, well, I did this. And I was like, oh yeah, well that makes the story a little more interesting, doesn't it? And she was like, yeah, (laughs) (laughs) cause it's like the way that she was telling the story as though she was this victim and that her sister was this attacker. But the thing is, is like, um, people, people are influenced, they're provoked They're you know, and we have a, we, we participate in that and we can't, if we walk around the world as though we are in this bubble and we don't interact and and we don't have an effect on anyone, we are going to have a very limited ability to do anything in the world. It's like, what are you putting, what were you putting on to your sister? Yeah. You know, like completely. And it is, it's a projection people. And that's the other thing. People pick up on our projections too. Totally. You know, and, and, and they'll usually respond in kind. Mm-hmm. <laughs> usually. Yeah. Well, and we teach people, we teach people how to respond to us. I mean, we do it with all sorts of things. I mean, we do it with our body. We do it with our behavior. We do it with the way we speak, you know? Um, and you know, the thing is, is like, I think, you know, there's always, there's always, always, always room to be better. You know, and I, I think about, you know, earlier in the podcast, you know, some of our earlier episodes and I listen to myself talk and I go, man, was <laughs> I in a place then I'm just like, and I try yeah. not to beat myself up about it, but I go, yeah, like I was working through some stuff then. And just like I'm working through some stuff now and I'll look back at now and I'll be like, man, I, I ideally I'll look back and I'll be like, man, I'm a lot better off than I was today in this moment. But all I can do is, you know, be kind to myself in this moment um, put forth into the world, what I believe to be good and do my best at doing that and try to get my ego or need for any type of, you know, recognition or, or, or whatever back. Because the thing is, I've also found in my life that if I don't need validation and recognition from anyone else at the same time, I don't get my self-esteem from them. I don't get my sense of value from them. They can't destroy my value either. Yeah. It's a double-edged sword. You know, if you get your value from the audience, the audience can destroy you as well. So mm-hmm. it's actually best to not try to get your value from the audience, but that's a projection as well. Why do I believe that they give me the value? Why, why do I decide that they have the power and I don't No, I have the power. I decide if, if I like the way I'm living or I don't like the way I live, you know, and you know, what's worse is if I don't like the way that I'm living and yet everybody likes the way that I'm living because they all get to enjoy it except me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'd rather, I'd rather that I really believe that I'm living the life I need to be. And I trust that if I'm doing good in the world, if I'm doing good things, building value, that people will 
benefit from that and people will enjoy it. Some people will not like it. Some people just not like it just because for whatever reason, it's their little projection, their world. I have no idea necessarily. I'm not even going to try to understand it, but some people are just going to dislike you. You know, that's just going to happen. But the thing is, is that that's going to happen regardless, you know, and I think that's kind of until we have a world where people are in a place of understanding that they're the creators of their own experience of life, understand that they are the ones projecting, understand that they are the ones who are the creators. Um, We're going to be in a world where people believe that I or you or someone else has power over their life and they're going to be kind of subject, right? Yeah. But not because they are, but because they choose to be subject. Yeah. That other people have power over your happiness and enjoyment of life, which is really like, you know, that's, that's a huge part of this conversation. Yeah. I think. Um, so I want to kind of like dial this into, so, okay. So what does this mean for us as artists? What does this mean for our creative ability, our creative function in terms of this whole concept of past and present and, and yeah. creativity? It's a great question because I think what you're bringing us back down to is artistry and industry. Industry is, this is what industry wants. This is what people want. This is what the world needs. This is what you got to do to make money based on all these projections and ideas and bullshit stories you've made up. So that this is the problem I think artists have with industry. And I know you know this, but I'm just rephrasing it more for myself is that we have, and everyone else on the line, but we have, um, a, an idea of what industry is, which isn't necessarily accurate. And we also have an idea of what art is, which isn't necessarily accurate right. either. And so I think what happens is we need what, 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 how this relates is us getting back down to more truth, getting us down to really the core of who we are and our power and, and helping us understand that, um, as much as we create the art, we also create the industry we aren't subject to the art and subject to the industry. Although in some ways we are subject to them, but only in a limited respect. What I mean is, for example, if I'm a painter and I have a canvas, I'm subject to the frame of that canvas. If I decide to paint on that canvas, but I decided to create those limitations for myself to paint on that canvas. Mm -hmm. But if I choose that canvas, the canvas has limitations. That's we create our own limitations is basically what I'm saying right? Because if you want to create something that doesn't have the limitations of say, a you know, I don't know, a, a two by four or, you know, whatever the, um, a three by three foot frame or whatever your yeah. design style is. Um, I don't even know if that's the right measurements, but anyway, <laughs> you know, like if, if that's what you decide that you want to create your limitations as your artist, then that's what you'll do. But you decided on those limitations and you play within them, you know? And so, we, we sometimes I think behave as though we're a victim to the limitations we decided upon. Yeah. Right. So that, you know, and so I think like what we're talking about here is the more that we see that we created the choice in the first place, the more we're free to make different choices about things we would otherwise feel that we're subject to because we're not subject to them. Right. Just like right Mm -hmm. now, like, you know, um, you know, you want to make a movie. Well, now you don't just have to be subject to 2d anymore. Now it's 3d. Now it's VR, you know, pretty soon it's going to be holographic. 
you know, pretty soon, I mean, you could go, well, now you could argue, you could say, well, video games, you could say theater, you could say there's novel. What, like you, you decide the medium in which you want to express your art and, yeah. and you play within the limitations of that medium, but you get to play within that and you decided on that medium. So honor the medium's limitations, right? But those restrictions are there for a reason, because if there was no lines, like imagine you went to a movie theater and the whole movie was like projected way outside of the frame of, (laughs) you know, that would suck, right? You'd be like, Hey, I'm missing half the movie here. But the artist was like, well, I framed it differently than the theater. It's like, no asshole. Like I paid for this, you know, so (laughs) I'm seeing a quarter of your movie right now. You know what I mean? Like we have to play within, um, a certain consistency so we can all enjoy the art, right? That's why we have the consistency, mm-hmm. but we also aren't subject to the consistency. Like, you know, if you want to make a VR movie right now, there's not necessarily a lot of outlets just yet, you know, at the time of this conversation yeah. that you can do that yet, but they are coming. So, you know, you're a bit of a front runner if you're doing that. Um, you know, just like when uh, avatar was made, there wasn't a, you know, 3d screens were kind of just brand new. Right. So yeah. like, now, I mean, now they, they figured it out. Now you can go to just about any theater and do it. Right. So like the thing is, is that we can always push the medium, but we have to understand that industry has to keep up with art, you know, mm-hmm. and art has to go like, okay, well we can go a little bit ahead, but we can't go too far ahead yet, you know, because we're, we don't have anybody who can actually experience the art if we're too far beyond a medium. For yeah. It, right. Cause I mean, I think the the industry very much exists. Like if we're thinking in this, in this concept of, of time, I mean, industry is very much focused on past and future, right? It's like what's worked in the past. Yes. And what might that indicate is like a trend in the future, right? How, and how can we maybe avoid a big bomb or something (laughs) or something that just isn't going to work? That's, that's the industry's focus very much, at least, you know, for commercial industry. Yeah. Um, as artists, I, I, again, I think that our biggest concern is, is with the present, you know, and I think that that's sometimes why there's a bit of a, a bit of a disconnect, but there's, it's so important for artists to remain, remain present. Like that's not to say that they're you don't have to necessarily listen to some of the industry's, you know, requirements or concerns in terms of, of what you're doing. But I think that we're, we're not really able to, to create anything if we are, if we are stuck in the mindset of industry, we'll just create the, the same kind of things and nothing will be particularly inspired work right? It'll all be copies. Yeah. There'll be copies or ideas of what we think others want. Mm-hmm. Right. Which is both, you know, as anyone knows as an artist that that's usually a devastating cocktail. Yeah. Which is why I think as an artist, it's important to, for us to see where we're holding on to things from, from our past and how those might be impacting us in, in being able to create. Right. Right. Because now we're limited by our past and everything in our past is, is, is limiting our present moment. Yeah. Right. If we allow it to, and that's, that's the whole part of what you're saying is letting go. You got to let go of the past. So you're free for the moment. 
Yeah. Right. Because you don't, because otherwise you're working from a place that's like up in your head, Mm -hmm. you know, you're working from a place that's like, okay, well I did this before and this seemed to sort of work or maybe this didn't work. And you know, there's, and you know, again, there's lessons to be, to be learned from that, but eventually you've got to let it go. You can't create from that space of like, well, this has worked and this didn't like you can, you can absolutely do something like you could, yeah, you can make a work completely from that mindset of saying like, well, this works and this doesn't, and this works and this doesn't, and this worked and this didn't. Right. And, but it's like, the thing is, is that there's no real consistency to that because it's like, yeah, because sometimes something, something that didn't work for one thing worked for another. Yeah. Right. So it's like, there's, now you're just creating a whole shit ton of confusion for yourself in terms of, and you can never really be certain of anything. Mm-hmm. Right. And you kind of have to, as artists, you kind of have to thrive in, in a certain level of uncertainty of just like, I don't know. And once you accept a certain level of that, you are able to just then create, it's like, okay, well, what, what is happening right now? What is happening right in the present? Like what is something that is inspiring? That is, that is the, you know, sort of the gravitational force for me in my work right now. And you can only, and you can only be in tune with that if you've let go of your shit from the past. Once, if you've, if you're able to let separate yourself from your past, then you can actually be in tune with something else. Mm -hmm. But otherwise you'll sort of be, you'll, you'll always be contained to what's happened before. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. And your past is limited. I mean, you, you know, we've, we've all only had a certain amount of experience. I mean, there's so many experiences to be had and, and part of really embracing a new experience is to be present to it. Yeah. And, um, you know, and I mean, that's, uh, you know, I'll give a shout out again, as I often do to your Meisner training and just Meisner training in general, but it's like that, that is the epitome of Meisner training for me as an actor. It's, you need to let go of anything you think this moment will be and embrace what it, what it is. And in that you will find out. And there's, it's a scary thing. You know, um, it's a scary thing because you, you have to let go of control. You have to let go of knowing and God forbid you end up in a situation that you don't like or you're not ready for, you know what I mean? But you just get ready. I mean, you deal with it. Like, you know, if there is an earthquake right now, I am not ready for it, but when it happens, I will deal with it as I would have to, you know? And that's kind of like, art is a little bit like that. It's, it's a little bit like an earthquake that you don't expect. And when it, when it's happening, you're simply dealing with this thing. And I think the, um, you know, I, I think that artists who, um, know how to generate really consistently great art. They know how to kind of create an earthquake and then step into it as though they didn't create it, you know, and like exist in it. Right. Like, um, it's, and that's flow. Like, like I think this often happens for me when I'm writing a screenplay, I'm like, I set up the circumstance to create an earthquake and then I start writing and then I'm in it and it's like, okay, now I'm just dealing with this scenario that everybody's in, you know? And um, the imagination takes over and everything kind of takes over. And then you kind of are done and the scene's done. And you're like, Whoa, what was that? You know, yeah. <laughs> like, or whatever the series of scenes, however it goes. Yeah. You know, no, I mean, uh, I, I always loved it when, when my 
Meisner teacher, Larry Silverberg, um, said to us, and, and it just changed so much of my perception of, of what I did. And it was says like, you don't, he said for every, well, just to pri- provide some context to it. It's like for every part that you play, every, every scene that you do, every play, every movie or whatever. But in relation to that, he said, you don't do it. It does you. Right. And that really was a big shifting point for me where it was like, it gave me a sense of, of the place that true creation occurs. It has nothing to do with me bringing in my, you know, we had Henry on, Mm -hmm. um, on our last podcast and, uh, he did his, um, and he has his, uh, half hour program on, um, I can't remember the site now. Oh yeah. It's going to drive me. But, uh, we watched it. We were watching his, his, his talk and he had said something so fantastic to actors. Um, and he was talking about, and this is, this has a lot of relationship, I'm sure to other, other fields as well. But he was talking about how actors, they'll, they'll take, um, the look at relationships of characters. Cause he was talking all about relationships and understanding relationships and stuff and how actors will come in and they've made a judgment on a relationship. You know, they made a judgment on, on what this is and what this looks like instead of actually experiencing it for themselves in the moment. So now you're just coming in with an idea of what you think it looks like. Right. But that's completely contrived because there's no way it can't not be contrived because you've already got an idea. You already, you already told yourself, I know what this is. I know exactly what this looks like and I'm bringing this in and that's how I'm going to do it. And you've just completely just cut yourself off. Mm -hmm. You've completely just cut yourself off from anything, allowing anything to happen as opposed to saying like, no, I don't do it which is what that mentality is and saying, no, this is going to do me. So I'm going to have an, a certain sense of what's going on. I'm going to have a connection. I'm going to build a meaning to, to what I'm walking into, but I don't know what this is going to look like. You know, I'm going to discover what this is in the moment as it's happening. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's going to do me. And when you, when that happens, that's when magic happens. Yeah. Like that's, that's what audiences and, you know, like people who, and viewers and listeners and what, whatever you do, that's, that's where, where the, the fucking gold is. That's what, what audiences live for. Mm-hmm. Even if they're aware of it or not, you know, a discerning, there's their, your discerning audience. Who's like, you know, they're very extraordinarily passionate and involved and they will probably completely pick it up. Um, but even if it's like someone's just more of a a passive kind of engager of art, it's always appreciated whether they're, they know what it was on a conscious level, you know, if, if they're able to articulate it or not, there's a quality to it. There's a quality to something that's just like, Whoa, that's, that was unbelievable. That was just extraordinary and you might not be able to know exactly what was extraordinary about it, but you just go like, there was just something about that. And it's because, yeah, it was so alive. It was so present. It was so authentic. 
And that's where, where the best art lives. You know, it's, it's in that, that unknown space where things are happening in that moment and they weren't just being projected into the moment, right? Which is where our past influences our art. I think, you know, like we're projecting our past into our art and it becomes contrived. That's perfect. I mean, you, there just, we go. you just brought up <laughs> the whole point that I was trying to get to and use the perfect example. We project our past into our present, which is why you need to understand that you project. It's why we, we can only build on a faulty foundation if we don't realize that we take our past and project it as though it's into the moment. And the thing is, is we're, it's nothing, it's not, it, not going to change that we project that is simply not going to happen. Just like the, the, the earth is not going to suddenly start sucking us to the ground. Space yeah. is going to continue to push us. It's going to stay that way. Um, it might look the same as though it's sucking us to the ground and it might to the average person, they go, I don't really care. It doesn't make a difference whether it pushes me or sucks me. It doesn't really matter in, in some degree. Yeah. It doesn't really matter to you because you know, you're never going to need to interact with it. So it won't. But, um, when it comes to projection, you will have to interact with it. You, you don't have an option. Like your life is a projection. And so like our past, we have to, we have to be able to let it go so that when we project in this moment, we aren't projecting from a tainted view. And I think where the past is sneaky and how it sneaks in it sneaks in by labels and judgments. So like, like I said, like if you stubbed your toe before you go, well, I stubbed my toe once. If you stubbed your toe 10 times or a hundred times or whatever, or you, you knock stuff over, you can start to build the story that you're clumsy. And now clumsy becomes a part of your projection in the moment, but clumsy is only there because you brought it into this projection right now. And so we can let that go. We can just go, you know what? I can decide today that I am good enough, that like good enough is actually not even relevant in my projection anymore. And that you could say, I'm not, it's, I, and I've been projecting as though I'm clumsy, right. Or whatever you've been doing. And you can stop projecting this moment as though that story exists. And that's part of what we need to do. We need to let that go and free ourselves of these binds. And then I think the thing, what makes a character interesting in acting is that when someone can say, because, you know, people do take their past and project it. They create an ego. And so like an actor can go, well, I can, t- as though this happened. So there was this technique. Let me just use this as an yeah. example. I'm going to change gears for a moment, but I discovered it when I was younger. And I don't know if anybody's ever really had this concept or not. Um, but I, but I kind of labeled it when my understanding of it was applied memories. So the way I realized it was as an actor, if I took memories as though they were my own and applied them to my life as though they had happened, would that change the way that I behaved? And they would. It's like making up your past as though you had a different one. Okay. And what ends up happening is you start to behave differently because if I behave as though I have the memory of like, uh, winning the Oscar, driving up to this place in the fast car, you know, um, just coming back from a, a night of partying with rock stars and, and, and models and stuff. And I, and I walk in as though that just happened. And I really embrace those memories as though they were real, right? Because the mind doesn't know the difference between reality and memory anyway. 
So, and it happens when ends up happening is you start walking into a room like a rock star, you start walking in and, and there's a different response everybody has to you because you're responding to everybody differently here, you know, and it's a little crazy. Don't get me wrong. It's crazy to apply this applied memory idea. But the, the, the thing is I found it really happened once when I did an acting scene and, uh, and, uh, one of the people in the, they said like, I couldn't recognize you in the scene. It was like, you were walking differently, you were behaving differently. And I was like, like, and I was trying to see if you were putting something on or if there was like what you were doing, I couldn't get it. And I was using the supplied memory idea. I was doing a scene from, uh, boys in the hood. And it's a scene where his buddy dies and he's screaming. He's like, help, help. Right. And just the whole way in which we were behaving and the, well, the way in which I was going about the scene was based on these applied memories it was like, what if I had grown up in a ghetto? What would it be like? You know, if, uh, you know, I was worried every day I was going to be shot, you know, what would my bravado be like? You know, and I started to, you know, apply these memories as though we had just done this. We just went and we got our, you know, our thing from, you know, uh, the, the corner store and we just told off some other guys and blah, blah, blah. And I applied all that. Yeah. And what was happening is this briefly for that time, I started to behave as though, I was existing in that environment because the mind is this amazing thing. We, we respond to its signals to behave. So we just need to change the thing. Now, obviously I don't want to walk around like, uh, you know, I mean, it wasn't appealing for me to walk around as a gangster or, you know, a a kid from the ghetto that was, you know, and, and, you know, and the other thing too, is there's a, there's a, a pushback from the world. So what I found with this applied memory thing was, um, when I went to college, I was brand new in my college. No one knew me. No one knew me and no one had really seen me. When I went to college, I was essentially to them a brand new person mm-hmm. that they were interacting with for the first time. So I decided when I showed up to college that I was going to be the most charismatic, most social, most out there person. And I just committed to that behavior and I did that. And people were, I had you know, just a massive connection of friends, a massive amount of, you know, and I, I was kind of the center of attention. But if you would have seen me in high school, anyone who would have seen me in high school would have been like, no, Brandon's a loner. He's kind of like off in his own. He's quiet. He's introverted. So the thing is, is was I introverted and a loner because I was actually introverted and a loner or was I introverted and loner because I got so much pushback from the environment around me that I didn't know how to break out of it. Once you put me in a new environment, I was able to flourish because I didn't have the bounds of my external world anymore. Yeah. So part of freedom, and this is another point I want to bring on to is it's not just our projection. It's the projections others have onto us as well. Like our parents and our family will see us yeah. a certain way. And it's really hard to, be who you want to be when you have other people kind of telling you who you are. No, absolutely. And we are, we are receiving those all the time. Yeah. The buck though, ultimately comes down, down to us, right? Like we can, we can choose to be, um, not, not, not that we're unaffected, but we can, we can still choose essentially. Like we can, it's just like, okay, this is what people are putting on to me and what they kind of want me to be and what they, you know, see me as being. And I can either buy into that and be that or not. 
Right. And that comes down to, you know, what we value. Like, well, what do I value? Do I value this thing that they are, they are putting on to me? And likewise, do I value this thing that I'm putting on to myself? Right. Is this helping me in any way? Is this making, is this bringing me closer to joy or is this pushing me further away from it? Right. And once we can have that, that when we have that awareness, I mean, it's an, uh, it's a massive thing. Like it's no small thing to have that awareness to, instead of just being reactive to the, to the, the things that are, that we're going through the experiences that we were having, the projections that we're putting out, the projections that are being put onto us. And we say like, okay, like I'm aware of what's happening. Mm -hmm. I'm aware of what this is doing. I'm aware of what this is making me feel. Now, do I value this? And if you don't value it, then you go, okay, well then no, I'm not going to choose to buy into, into any of this. Right. Totally. I mean, and when I was younger, right. And I think this is probably, I, I don't think I'm alone in this. When we're younger, if you call a kid a punk, right? I'm not saying I was, I was called a punk actually before, but if you call a kid a name or parents label them or tell them they're dumb or whatever teachers, that kid will start to play that role. I mean, we know that. And so when you're younger and you don't have a lot of self identity yet, you're kind of trying to figure out who you are and the world's not necessarily teaching you to have a centered core. It's not teaching you to understand self. The world's kind of, um, everybody's kind of, excuse my English here, but everybody's kind of fucked up and teaching you their own fucked up strategies. And so you're, you're, you know, we're, it's the blind leading the blind. Let's be honest. You know what I mean? And there's very few people that are cutting through the shit and telling you, Hey, you're responsible for your life. The environment around you does not affect you. You can decide who you want to be at any moment. Your past does not define you. Your failures do not define you. Your success does not define you yet. We will grow up as though our success defines us. Our failure defines us. What people think of us define us. And so we're totally fucked up. We're totally on the opposite. We also are raised to believe we're taking in the world as opposed to projecting it outward. So we got all these fucked up views right from the beginning. So, um, you know, I don't, I don't mean to be vulgar in my language, but I think it's important to get the point out. We are kind of fucked up in our mentality of the world. And you're right. Once you reframe these, these kind of fuck ups, once you start seeing that I am the creator of my own world, I project outward. I decide what I value. I'm value in and of myself. You know, we can start to cut through all that shit and be who we need to be. But I think where most people are, are stuck is they're, they're trying to get their value from the outside world in, as opposed to saying, you know, my value is what I can give to the world from inside me outward, Mm -hmm. you know? And so like, it's like they say, you know, a lot of success strategists and, you know, personal development talkers, they'll say, it's not what you get, it's what you give. And the reason why they say that is because when you start giving, you're going to start seeing yourself of value. You're going to start seeing the value you create in the world because you're going to see an impact when you are, all you're doing is taking, you'll never see your value because mm-hmm. everyone will see you as a taker. And so you're always taking. So people will be like, you'll be a nuisance. But when you're always giving, you'll immediately find that everybody wants because now everybody's in the want, right? So if we were in a world of givers, which, you know, I have social circles where, you know, people are givers, you're a giver in my experience of you, where it starts to just be, a kind of who can give more, who can add more value. And it's not really about, um, who's better at giving value, but it's just a constant build upon things, right? Yeah. When you're around a taker, 
it's a little bit like, you know, you give, they take, you give, they take. And then, you know, sometimes they give a little back, but you, you, you know, you don't get the same build, you know? And so we don't, we don't experience the world necessarily, um, because we're, we're doing it backwards. Just like we think gravity's sucking us to the ground. We don't do it like gravity's pushing us to the ground. If we did the world as givers, as opposed to takers, it's, it's, this looks the same, right? But it's different. And that's the thing is we got to change our, our, our way of looking at the attraction, right? You know, that law of attraction is Mm -hmm. not about what you take. It's not about what you get. It's about what you give. If we recognize that we would get everything we wanted. Mm -hmm. Right. And so like, obviously, you know, um, it's, it's an amazing thing. You know, you go, well, where, if you're not getting something you want, you got to stop and ask yourself, well, where am I trying to take, you know, just like I can stop in this moment and I go, well, I'm not. I'm not a giver. That's a label. I'm someone who recognizes that it's more important to give and I'm aiming to give more and more. But obviously if I don't have everything that I want yet, I'm not giving enough. I'm not, I'm, I'm still experiencing my life with some type of lack. You know, Mm -hmm. It, it really truly is when you see abundance, your world becomes abundant because it is a projection, right? And, and, you know, I was talking with a friend, uh, just the other day, we were talking about, we have so much abundance. We can't even see it. We're blind to it. I mean, you can, especially the first world, you can have food whenever you want. Just walk down the street, get some food. You can make a call, get someone to deliver stuff to you. You can, you can have people take care of every single need you have. You know, you have warmth consistently. Like, you know, if you have a house, you can have consistent warmth all day, no matter what the weather is. We, we have an abundance of everything, but we are just so blind to it. And so we start looking for, we're looking for where we're lacking all the time. Mm-hmm. But what if instead of looking for where we were lacking, we focused on where we were abundant and we were like, yeah, this, this thing where I don't have enough will fill in because there's so much abundance. So we, it's the gravity thing. We, we, we experience as though it's sucking us to the ground and in truth it's pushing us. That's an abundance is like abundance and scarcity work the same as gravity. They look the same, but they work different, you know? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's a, it's a, it's a pull, right? It's a pull or a push, but we don't, we, we don't recognize it. We're, we're, um, and that's what kind of makes it really difficult because it's so hard to see. Someone has to kind of shift your perspective on it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, And it's, and it's not to say like, um, these shifts in, in perception, um, are easy things to do. No, I mean, they're not very, they're, they're not, I mean, we're, we live, surrounded by, um, like you said, in, in, in a world that we're, we're told very much in a lot of ways, the opposite types of things. I mean, I think people are starting to figure this shit out, you know, slowly, but surely where it's just, it's just like, no, like it's, it, it comes down, it, it comes down to you, you know, ultimately for, um, all the things that you do or do not have or where you feel like you are lacking or you feel like you are abundant. That comes down to you. That comes down to your thoughts. That comes down to how you are applying your mind mm-hmm. to the world around you mm-hmm. and to yourself and to yourself. And, um, yeah. And the, the past is just so much to do with this, you know, like it's our past is our conditioning. Our past is, is, um, programming, our programming, our, how we're identifying ourselves, where we're, 
the things that we're placing meaning on in our lives. Like that's all us. That's all our own decision. Like, yeah, the, there could be, you know, a hundred people screaming one thing, you know, saying one thing and you could feel com- absolutely different. You know, there's nothing wrong with that. If that's what's true to you, then you be the person who says, I disagree with this. And often we need those people to stand up in that group of a hundred and say like, Hey, this is fucked up. (laughs) Yeah. You know, like this is not, this is not how, you know, this is not good for us. This is not the best way for us to, to look at this. I don't know. Yeah. No, you you know, do you know what I mean? Like it's, I I do. I mean, and I think that's the, that's the hard part about, you know, that's the hard part about these shifts. I mean, you know, some people could hear this podcast and they can be like, okay, well, this is all good and well, you know, you guys talking about this, but I'm going to go back to my real life after you guys are done explaining all this. And I'm going to have to deal with people who see me a certain way and, and they treat me as though I'm this person. And that is where, what you just said is where it's important. It's where you got to start to stand up against the pressures of the world and start to define yourself. And it might be a slow process. You know, it's not going to happen overnight. It's not going to be immediate where everybody just decides, okay, you want to be this way now you're this way. You know, like, um, if you showed up to work for 30 years and you've been this silent little introvert of a person who's been a pushover your whole life, and now all of a sudden you're going to start standing up to these bullies at your work or something, right? They're not going to just be like, oh yeah, okay, well, I guess you stand up. Maybe they will, but maybe not. You're, it might take some consistent, persistent action. You might need to show up and just do this over and over and over. And people, you know, one thing I've found is like people do eventually start to, you know, they start to accept if you're persistent and consistent, it always wins. It just always, yeah. always wins you know, and I think, um, my ego is sneaky in the sense where it goes, it wants immediate results. I need to have it right now. Yeah. And when I don't get it right now, I'm like, Oh, what's the point? It's not going to work. And that's why my ego almost sounds like that. (laughs) And so I go, well, okay. You know what? Yeah. Maybe, maybe it's going to take more work than I thought. Maybe that's all, you know, maybe it just is going to take a little more work to make this transition than Mm -hmm. I thought. And so that's, that's it. And I think if you just, you know, look at it like every single day, you just do this thing and you, and you do this thing and you show up this way. We had a talk about this earlier, like courage. You want to build courage. Just do a little something, a little courageous every day, every day, a little courageous. Eventually you'll start to see yourself as someone who's courageous. You you know, you'll start to experience yourself and trust that you're capable of courageous. And what will end up happening is people will begin to see you as courageous because if you continually do it, you know, people's experience of you will be this way. Right. And so, um, you know, you also, I think the other thing is one of the points I want to leave everybody with, you know, cause I know we're wrapping it up, but one of the points I want to leave everybody with is, um, that people will label you because it's hard for anyone to fully understand another human being. And so what we do is we create very basic limiting, Uh, ideas to understand and categorize and try to comprehend who someone is and what they're about. But just because someone doesn't fully understand you doesn't mean that you need to um, behave as though what they understand is the truth. Um, You can always surprise people. 
you know? Um, you know, I've had people, um, be like, wow, you're so, you, you know, well, this sounds super egotistical, yeah. but it, like, no, but I've had people, um, be in a situation where they've been, wow, you're so funny, you know, because they've never seen me really be funny. Cause they've only seen me like in a certain scenario. Yeah. Right. And just like on this podcast, you know, I was thinking about that. I'm like, well, when I'm on this podcast, you know, people are still only seeing a certain side of me. They're not actually getting to see the whole gamut of who I am. They're not, you know, they don't necessarily, you know, and so just because that might be how I appear does not mean that's all who I am. And I think what happens is when we're in social circles, we're around all the time, jobs we're in all the time, we start to get, and even just we're around ourselves all the time, we start to get ideas of who we have to be. And so I think we can break that mold at any time. And it just takes a little bit of conscious effort to be like, no, you know what? I don't like the way I'm doing this. I want to do it differently. I'm going to start doing it differently from now on. You know, like when someone says to me, like, I'm lazy, like, I'm just, I'm a lazy person. I'm lazy. You know, like I'll, I'll do this, you know, I'm like, well, you're not lazy. You just continually make choices to you that, that are what you deem to be lazy. Mm -hmm. So start making choices that aren't lazy you know, start making choices that you deem to be the opposite of that. Yeah. Right. They're, they're, they're labeling themselves. It's like, as though it gives them an out. Oh, I can just be lazy because I'm lazy. It's like, no, yeah. you're just being lazy. That's all. You, and you're doing it a lot. So it yeah. seems like it's who you are. Yeah. You can either shift the behavior that says to you that you're lazy, or you can shift your perception on, on what it is that you're doing. Yeah. Like you, it's, it's one or the other, right? Right. It's like either think of it differently or do something differently. Maybe a little of both, maybe a little bit of both. <laughs> yeah, completely. Yeah. No, this has been, I mean, this has been a really interesting talk. And I mean, I know that this is something that will, will revisit, I'm sure, because it's, it's a big, it's a big topic. It's a big thing to get into. Yeah. Um, but yeah, for me, like this is all about, it's like, you know, it's, it comes down to, our choice and our, what we value. Um, and if we don't value these things that we've learned in the past, well, then we need to let go of them. Mm -hmm. You know, if they're, because they do like we will, um, if we're, if we are struggling in our present to, as artists to, to do our work, to create, if we have, um, some blocks that feel insurmountable. I mean, there's probably a good chance that there's something from our past. There's some, you know, whether that's an event or just a type of conditioning, a type of programming that, that we've, um, maybe unknowingly f fallen into. And we, we can look at that and we can let it go. Yeah. You know, we can, we can let these things go. We can forgive ourselves for, the, the shit we didn't realize that we didn't know, or that we weren't maybe strong enough or courageous enough at the time to, to deal with, and we can move past it. And because otherwise we'll keep projecting it into our work. We'll keep bringing it into our work or we just won't even do it at all. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. So I don't know if I got anything else to say, but it's, 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 it's all a, a good thing. It's not always necessarily the easy thing to do, but I think it, as we start to shine a light on these things, it, it opens up our freedom. It opens us up to, um, to, to having a deeper connection 
to ourselves and to our work and, and to what we, we really want to do. Yeah, totally. I, you know, I think there's one other point just when you were talking there brought to mind that we can model. We, we, uh, we're doing it when we were children. We've been modeling since we were children. We watched our parents or our brothers and sisters or friends do stuff and we mm-hmm. modeled. And so, um, some of the stuff we modeled, um, we might not like anymore. And also some of the stuff that we don't do yet, if we want to do more of it, we can look out into the world and find people who are actually doing what we want to do. And we can begin to model them. You don't have to embrace, like, we don't have to feel like we know them, but we can see a behavior they do Mm -hmm. and we can begin to model and, and do that and, and look at them as an inspiration to, to go out there and kind of help inform us how to be more of who we want to be. Yeah. And, um, you know, I think, you know, I think the thing is, is like, this has been a great talk in the sense that hopefully what it's done and it's definitely helped for me, but is to create a little bit more freedom, you know, to, to unlock us and unleash us from our past a little bit to, to just open up the cage of that door and give people that opportunity to step outside of it. And, you know, I'm seeing for myself is like, um, how am I simply not stepping outside of who I think I am based on my past? Like, who am I confining myself to? And, and why don't I model and embrace these ideas and step forth into these ideas and, and, and be and behave, um, you know, full out as to who I want to be? Why not? you know, and there is no reason when I ask that question, I go, well, there is no reason, you know, if my past doesn't have to confine me, there's no reason. So go and, you know, it's not going to necessarily all change tomorrow, but if I do it over and over, eventually I will behave and be more who I want to be. Mm -hmm. And of course, as you become who you want to become, your life becomes more of what you want it to become around you because naturally it's just, it's going to, I mean, we are the creator of our external experience. So as I become, so does my universe become around me, right? Not the universe makes me become as I thought it was when I was younger. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. We, we have the say we can take the things that, yeah, again, I think this is just to finish this off here with one last little sort of point. It's a a big, yeah. It's like, we can, you know, we can, be victims of the projections from others or the projections from, um, societal norms and this and that, but it's, it's, we don't have to like, it still comes down to us. Ultimately, every single time it comes down to us. And if it's making, you know, if the things that we are, um, sort of, I don't know, bowing down to the things that we're conforming to are, are not bringing us, you know, positive things in our life, then it's time to reevaluate and know that we have a choice in it. And not everybody's going to necessarily be on board for it right away, but it comes down to you. Hmm. Yeah. Nice. That was our show for today. Thanks a lot for listening and being a part of this. If you enjoyed our conversation, please subscribe and share with your friends and family, or you can learn more and message us at www.thebndpodcast.com. Oh, and make sure to leave a comment and rate us on iTunes. That will really help us out a lot. It definitely will. Thanks.